Welcome to the City View Church podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Before I get into my message this morning, I'd like to pray for the country of Israel. I'm sure many of you heard about what happened in Israel yesterday morning. Um, the attacks, the, the bombings, the shootings, the people taken hostage, and all those things. The, the Bible, it says um, that the people of Israel are God's chosen people. Um, it says in Psalm chapter 122, verse 6, it says that we are to pray for the peace of Israel. We live in a country that whenever you highlight Israel, it's almost like you're doing something negative, that you're racist, that you're who knows what. There's this weird connotation that comes with if you focus too much on Israel, but it's God's people and God's very clear on what he says and how we are to react and pray and think about the people of Israel. Um, and yesterday was a, it was a terrible, was, I believe um, what I read and what I saw, was, they said that it was one of the worst attacks that's ever happened on the, that country in years and years and years. Um, Psalm 122 verse 6 says this, pray for the peace of Israel. And may they prosper who love you. God says, I want to I bless the people who pray for my people. Um, so this morning I want to take some time and I want to just pray for the country, pray for the, the people, the leadership, because I, I can't even begin to imagine the, just the fear that so many are in, the fear of the family members. I, Laramie and I read one story about a husband was talking to his wife on the phone and all of a sudden the phone went dead um, and it was his wife and child who were kidnapped and they're being held hostage. Um, and he was just relaying this, like what happened while he was on the phone with his family. Um, so let's pray. And it says, pray for the peace. So let's pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Lord, God, we come, Lord, before you, the great and awesome, mighty King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Lord, we ask and we pray for the peace of your people. Lord, I pray for the peace of those who have lost family members. Lord, I pray that you would bring them your peace. God, I pray for the peace for those who have family members that are being held hostage. Lord, I pray that you would give them peace. And Lord, for those who are captives right now, who are scared, young and old, Lord, may they, may they experience your peace. Lord, I pray for the leadership that you would give them understanding, discernment, and peace as they make decisions on what to do. Lord, we pray for the country, the, the, your, your people, the people of Israel. Lord, we pray that you would give them peace, peace with you. God, we pray for those who hate your people. Lord, I ask that you would bring peace into their life that they might come to know you. Jesus, only you can bring true peace. So that's what we ask this morning in your name. Amen. This morning we're in 2 Corinthians, and the idea, the whole point of my sermon is us looking at our life and going, is what we're investing our life in, is it in the eternal or is it in the temporal? 
Are we investing in the eternal things or are we investing in temporal things? And I was looking back at my life and things that I have good, good choices and bad choices, good investments and bad investments that I've made in my own personal life. In 2005, my wife and I bought a house out in Surprise, Arizona because the market was going crazy and we thought we should probably buy a house now, so we bought one. Um, it was an insanely out of our budget. I was at the time a maintenance guy at a church making about $25,000 a year, not making a ton. And my wife was going to be a dental hygienist. Her dentist hand wrote a paper saying, I promise to pay her this much money when she graduates from school. And so the bank took my 25000 and her handwritten note saying, yeah, we'll give you a loan for $330-something thousand dollars and buy a house. We bought that house. We ended up losing that house um, because... Just for life circumstances and all the choices we made. That was a, a bad choice, a bad investment. We also bought a Scion around the same time. In 2006, we bought a Scion XB, which has been a great choice for us. It was a great little purchase. It's not a cool car by any means. My son, I'm not going to the game today. For those of you who people have asked me, are you going to the game today? I'm not. My son is going to the game, and I made him drive the Scion to the game today. A couple reasons. One, I go, I don't care if it gets hurt. Um, two, uh, it's easier to park, and you probably won't hurt anybody or anything with that car because it's so tiny. But that was a good purchase. But then there's been life choices that I've made. Marrying my wife, that was a great choice. That was a great choice that I made. I love marrying my wife. What was the negative choice I chose last time? Less service? I don't know. Choosing to be a Cardinals fan. That was a poor choice that I made as a, as a young person. You know, there's, there's these choices in life, in every area of our life that we go with life. We are given, what's that song? Some thousand eight hundred minutes. You know the song I'm talking about? You hear it at graduation? I really, I should have looked it up last service. I know some of you are like, I love that song. It's from some movie or something. I don't even know what it's from. But the reality of that song is you are given a certain amount of time every single day. And you invest that time in either the temporal or the eternal. And you're making choices with every second, every minute, every part of your day going, you know what, I'm going to put time into this. Or I'm going to put time into this. So what are you investing your life in? Invest in eternal things. It lasts longer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for investing in us. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for us that we might have life. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak to each of our hearts. Speak through me. Speak through your word. Um, may we receive from you what you have for us, Lord. God, I ask that you speak to your people throughout the valley and churches all over, God. May your word be preached with power, authority, and life-changing impact. Lord, in every ear and every heart that hears and receives. God, I pray for Lord Jason over at Heritage and Jared over at Desert City. And Lord, I ask that you'd speak to us here at City View in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. So we're starting this morning as we look at Paul. As, as Paul in this section, he's, he's continuing this 
it's, a, it's one long letter. It's a 13-chapter letter. Paul talking about just the struggles of life and all the different things and choices we make. And so as Paul, as he closes out chapter 4, which remember, there's no chapters that Paul wrote. This is just a letter. We, man, made the chapters and the verses. But I, I feel like the thought starts in 18 and continues in chapter 5. So Paul says this in verse 18 of chapter 4. While we look not at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. The New Living then says, we fix our gaze on the things which cannot be seen. Back to the New American. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Verse 1 of chapter 5. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we have put it on, will not, will not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. So as we look at what am I investing in, am I investing my life in the temporal or the eternal, Paul talks about our bodies and how our bodies, our physical bodies, are temporary. These are not eternal, but we have a life that we look forward to. And so Paul's thought, this big idea that he gets us to start thinking this way, is he says, what, are you, in, what you invest in starts with what your eyes are fixed on. He says, fix your eyes on the things that are eternal, not on the things that are temporary. Paul knew that this earthly body is just temporary. This earthly body is going to die someday. For those who believe in Jesus, that you will receive a heavenly body that will live forever. Your body, once you believe in Jesus, this carcass that you walk around in every day, this dies but your soul, who you are, lives forever. It will be with Jesus. But some of us, we will die, and you will go and spend eternity in this place called hell. Two very real places, heaven and hell. Some of you, maybe this is your first time here, like, what the? This is truth. I, I'm just going to speak the truth to you. But here's the, here's the reality. Whether you believe in God or not, every life has an expiration date. Every life. And you can't plan it. Some of you are going to live to be 100, 105. Who knows? I don't know. Some of you won't make it past 23. The people in Israel yesterday, they did not think that yesterday was their end. They woke up yesterday thinking it was a normal day. But Paul, his, his gaze is not fixed on, am I going to die today? Am I going to die today? Am I going to die today? His gaze is fixed on, this body is temporary. I have a heavenly body to look forward to. What we fix our gaze on is essential to what we will invest our time on earth in. If, if we're looking at our body, this is the only life I have to live. I got to, what's that saying? YOLO or all those different sayings that we have now that we talk about how are we going to live our life. When we think this is it, 
We're investing everything that we possibly can into this eternal because we're like, I only have this one life to live. And we're like, I got to dump it all into this. So every bit of our time, effort, money, thought, hanging out with friends is all in this because we think, man, I only have this one life to live and we're dumping into this one. But Paul says when your focus and your fix is on Jesus and you know that you're just going to transfer your eternal body here to your eternal body in heaven, he goes, then you start investing in something different. It's easy to get fixed on. He says, you know, I'm not focused on the groanings. You guys ever meet those people that are just so focused on their groanings in life? Their pains, their hurts, their all this. Like, we groan. He says, you know, I groan. He talks about that. He says, we groan. Our earthly tent, it's going to fall apart. And we groan. I'm groaning today. I've got, I don't know what's going on. I've got this terrible pain. I don't know if I'm passing a kidney stone or what, but I'm in like this. I don't know. I'm groaning today. Like I got up, I was getting vitamins out, and I'm like, I'm hurting. I was like, from a scale of one to ten, where I am, like a eight? Groaning. But we could focus on that. I could have called and said, Mark, I need you to preach for me. And some of you are like, you should have. I'm like, eh, you know, I don't know. I just really am excited to preach this. But you ever meet those people that so focus on their groaning? How are you doing? Oh, I'm just dying. People so focused. You ever meet those people that are so focused on heaven that they're of no use down here on earth? That they're so focused on like heaven. Now it's good to be focused on heaven, but we could be so focused on heaven not realizing that the neighbor sitting next to us is going to hell. And we don't care. We don't pray for them. We don't think about them. We don't share Jesus with them because we're so focused on wanting to not be contaminated by the world. And Paul is trying to get this mental picture in our lives that you have one life to live. And you're investing it in something. And he says, we fix our gaze not on things that are of this earth, but we fix our gaze on, on the Jesus, on the eternal things. Paul says this, he says in verse 1, for we know, he says, I know that if this earthly tent dies, I'm getting a heavenly body. He says, I know it. I know it from experience. I just know this is what God's going to do for me. He looks forward to it. How does he know it? He tells us in verse 5, he says, because God gave me the Holy Spirit as a pledge. For anybody who puts their faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is a pledge saying, God says, Yours, my stamp is on your life and you are my child. And yes, you, your physical body might die here, but you have me in you and you will have an eternal body in heaven with me. And so Paul, as he's getting this mindset, he's, he's helping this church realign their focus, realign their mind, like not be so focused on the stresses, the burdens, the trials, the struggles of life and the turmoils that you're going to go through in life. He wants them to focus on the eternal things of life, not the temporary things of life. And so then he goes into verse 6, he says, therefore... Because we know that this body will die, because we know that this body has an expiration date, because we know that one day we will be with the Lord in heaven, because we know that God is giving us a heavenly body, therefore, because we know these truths, when we put our faith in Jesus, because we know these things, being always of good courage, and knowing that while we're at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. He says, while we are here on earth, we're not in the presence of God. While we're here, he said, but we can be of good courage while we're here. 
We don't have to walk around in fear. We don't have to walk around in worry. We don't have to walk around going, what's going to happen to my life? Is somebody going to attack me? Is all this thing? He goes, we can live of good courage while we're here on earth. We don't have to live fearful. Is the government going to collapse? We don't have to live fearful. Like if the next, if, if so-and-so is president again next year, like all oh, hell's going to break loose and it's going to be terrible. He goes, we don't have, we can live in good courage. That's what he's saying. He says, but we can, we, therefore, being always of good courage, knowing that while we're at home, we're absent from the body, but we can walk with courage. He says, because we walk by faith, not by sight. He says, we are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body to be, to be at home with the Lord. He says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We live in a world now where we, we make decisions according to the temporal. We make decisions according to what we see and what we want right now. I told a story. I've, I probably have told this story before. My son Judah, he's my oldest, when he was, I don't know, probably 10, 12 years old, and you're into heavy, in, I mean, some of you, I know you're adults and you're heavy into video games. He's not really anymore, but nothing wrong with that. But he's not into video games anymore. But when he was 10, 12, he had saved up money, wanted to buy a new monitor for his gaming system. And so he, I told him, I said, well, Judah, this is like the beginning of COVID. So he must have, 2020, he must have been 13, I guess, 12 or 13. That's how old he was. And I said, well, Judah, you can get this one right now, but it's only like a 60 hertz, blah, blah, blah screen. I don't know anything about any of that. I don't care. It's, you just watch it. That's all I know. You look at it and I don't even care. I go, but Judah, I do know that 120 is better than 60. I know enough to know that numbers are important. So I said, Judah, but if you can wait two days, you can get the better one. Do you think he waited? You see, so many of us, we make decisions for the temporal because we want things now. Paul says, I, don't, I, I, walk, I walk by faith, not by sight. Not by what I'm seeing or what I'm feeling or my emotions in that moment. He goes, I walk by faith knowing that God is a good God, that God does good things. I walk by faith because I can have courage. Why can he have courage? Because the Holy Spirit has stamped his life, because God has given him the promise of the Holy Spirit upon his life. That's why Paul, because of the Holy Spirit in your life, because of the Holy Spirit in his life, Paul says, I can be of good courage. Because of that faith that he has, because of the Holy Spirit upon his life and the Holy Spirit in your life, you can walk by faith. Because of the Holy Spirit in your life, because God has stamped the Holy Spirit, you can be of good courage, you can walk by faith. And then Paul says again in verse 8, you can have confidence in your walk. Knowing that when you do die, you will be at home with the Lord. Two biggest fears of people's lives. One, it is speaking in public. Public speaking. Nobody likes to do that. I mean, not nobody. A lot of people don't like to do that. Most people don't like to do that. This week in staff meeting, we did our 2024 planning meeting, and I made every single leader who was telling us, this is my plan for the year. This is what I'm, I made them all present it. And for some people, that probably made them not happy at all. I'm like, this is why in school, when you have to do those oral presentations in class, it's important to do that because at some point at your work, you still might have to do that, which I made everybody. And it was, they all did a great job. And there was even feedback and some type of challenge most of the time too. That's one fear. The second fear is death. And even Christians fear it. 
And Paul, as he gets here to this passage, he says, but why? Because if you're absent from this body, because of the Holy Spirit, verse 5, because of the courage that we have and because we walk by faith and not by sight, he says we can walk by courage knowing that if I do die, I'm going to be with the Lord in heaven. I don't have to fear what happens to this body. Because this body, is the, this, this life, the soul in me is eternal. And that's what Paul is saying here in this. He's getting our minds to be thinking about the temporal and the eternal. We have faith to walk through the trials of life because of who Jesus is. We can walk by faith. You know, there's going to be hard times. Hard times come. Hard times in your marriage, they come. You can walk by faith. There's hard times at work when you are working and, and, and you've got that conflict of either it could be the job you don't like, the manager you have, or just the current status of your work. And you're like, this is hard. And it can test your faith. Being single can test your faith. Being like, am I ever going to be married? God, what are you going to do? God, what are you calling me to? Is this, if you're calling me as a single life, my life, is that what you're calling me to do? God, help me. And we can, we can question it. God, I'd like to be remarried. God, what does this look like? And we can question so much about our life. And we go, God, but what is it that you want? Is, and then we can be so focused on the temporal, thinking marriage is the answer for everything. Marriage, marriage is not your answer. Marriage is not the eternal goal of all people. We, culture says that. It's not. The eternal goal of all people, Paul's going to tell us in just a little bit, is to live a life that's pleasing to him. That's what he calls us to do. And so we can get so worked up that God says, no, we can walk by faith, trusting you because you're always faithful. We are to look to the eternal unseen, not the temporal seen. The temporal seen, I don't know how many of you just get discouraged. You just get discouraged with how culture is. We get discouraged with how, I mean, I, I, my son, I, I talk about my kids a lot, but I love them. That's my current stage of life. And some of you are like, uh, whatever. But I, I went to their, his football game this week, and they, they lost. It was ugly. It was the first game I've watched. I don't even know how many football games I've watched of my kids. A lot. They've all been playing football. Judah, since he was like six, and then they all, except for Ezra. Ezra's getting, to play, getting ready to play volleyball soon. But there's been a lot of games where I've watched them totally get annihilated. You ever see those games where your team gets annihilated? It's your own kid. This is the first time where I'm watching going, I just want to leave. I've never wanted to leave in the middle of one of my kids' games. With this game, I just wanted to leave. Because I'm looking at this temporal thing. And when we look at life, sometimes we could be that way in life. Have you ever been that way in life, in work, in your marriage, in whatever? You're just going, I just want to leave. I just want to be done. I just want to quit. And whatever that looks like to you, you just want to quit. We can quit on those things. But Paul says, no, we fix our eyes on you. He says, we walk by faith, not by sight. And that can be difficult. Because we see what we want, we focus on what we want, and if we're focusing on the negative and focusing on ourselves, we easily get distracted. Verse 8, Paul says, but in this we can live a courageous life when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. We may die, but this life is temporary. And Paul, as he's getting us to understand, okay, our, this life is temporary, he says, but we have the seal of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. 
He says we can walk in courage because our faith is not in ourselves, it's in Jesus. We're fixing our eyes, as he said earlier in chapter 14, or chapter 4, verse 18. He says we fix our eyes on the eternal, not on the temporal. Then he comes to verse 9. Therefore, because of all these things, because we can walk in courage because of the Holy Spirit, therefore, we also have as an ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed or receive what we deserve for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So therefore, in this courageous life, in this confident life that we can live, therefore, we can have confidence and live with ambition. We can have confidence and live with purpose. We can have confidence and live and, and, and make it our aim to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord because Jesus has changed our life. He's given our life an eternal purpose. So Paul says, so therefore, I make it my point. I make it my aim. I make it my, my number one goal to live a life that's well-pleasing to the Lord. This idea of living a life that's well-pleasing, living a life that has eternity in mind is spoken of all throughout the New Testament. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it talks about how do we live a well-pleasing life? God is well-pleased when we present our bodies as a living sacrifice to him. God's pleased with that life. When daily we lay our life down saying, God, what is it you want me to do with my life? When we sacrifice our own wants and desires, when we lay our lives down for him, Romans 12, 1. God is well pleased when we live in a way that doesn't make others stumble, Romans 14, 18. When we live not wanting to make other people stumble, when we live wanting to, to be an example to those around us, God's well pleased with that life. God is well pleased when we separate ourselves from evil, when we make it a point to not surround ourselves with things that are evil. That's what God says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 10. Now, I'm summarizing. The top statement is the summary of the verse. Just so for those of you like, that doesn't read anything like my Bible. It's a summary of it, okay? But the idea comes from Ephesians 5, 10. Philippians 4, 18, God is well pleased when we bring our gifts and offerings to him. When we bring our tithes, which Mark talked about earlier. When we bring those to him, God is well pleased. God is well pleased when God when children honor their parents. God is well pleased. I shared, uh, I had a, a young man, I was a youth pastor for 16 years, for those who don't know. And one of those young men reached out to me, texted me a couple weeks ago. He's Jeremiah, he goes, Jeremiah, how am I supposed to honor my mom when she's the one who, who abused me, when she's the one that did all these things to me, when she's the one that, and he was just going off on his mom who just did some, some terrible things to him. He says, how am I supposed to honor her? Because I think sometimes we think, what, am I supposed to just, like, just do whatever she says and, and always pretend like I'm happy and those kind of things? We can look going, how am I supposed to honor I think honoring has more to do with how you live your life than whether what your, your relationship is in that moment. And so I told this young man, I, I said, your mom, I said, when people look at your life going, man, you, and you're being, you're, whether you're a good employee or you're a good student or whatever, people go, man, 
your, your mom, your dad must have done a really good job. And they're looking at your life going, man, you are honoring them with how you live. It's not necessarily in the moment like, okay, but she doesn't deserve, I'm not saying whether she deserves it or not that you go and you, and I know that sometimes there can be a terrible situation and I know you're like, man, why are you bashing moms? This is just the current, like, that was a text I got literally like three weeks ago. This kid's struggling. He's not a kid. He's probably 25, six. Just, I remember when he was like 14. Um, but God says, man, it's well-pleasing to me when a young person, when a child honors their parents. Hebrews 13, 21 says, God, 20 through 21, God is well-pleased when we allow Jesus to work out his perfect will in our lives. Paul says here, he says, man, it is my aim, it is my purpose, it is my ambition to live a life that's well-pleasing to the Lord. He says, that's what I want to do. And then he tells us why he wants to do this. He tells us why he's so focused on this as we read the next verse. And the first reason is because he understands that there's a judgment coming. Now, we understand that maybe you know church, maybe you've been in church. You're like, wait a minute, I thought I, thought I don't get judged. I thought I, like, I'm good. Like, once I die, I'm in heaven with Jesus. Yes, that's true. This is not talking about, like, judgment on whether or not you chose Jesus or not. That's not this specific judgment. That judgment, whether you go to heaven or not, that is called the white throne judgment. That's not what Paul's referring to here. This judgment is according to our deeds, according to whether we are living our life for the eternal things or for the temporal things. And at some point in life, all of our deeds, all of our actions, everything we do is going to be evaluated by God, whether you like it or not. And I know this doesn't get preached a lot in church, but that's the reality is that at some point in our life, when we die, we're going to come before God and God's going to look at what we did with our life. Because every day, with every decision, with every single thing we do, we are investing in one of the two of these buckets. Little decisions during our day either move us closer to the Lord or farther away. Here's, here's what it looks like. There's going to be a slide behind me. I'm going to read some decisions. Here's some eternal decisions, okay? Eternal decisions. I'm, I'm both eternal and temporal. I'm going to say everybody sleeps eight hours a day. Eight hours a day. It's a good thing. I'm like, eight hours. We all make the decision. So eight hours a day, everybody sleeps. That could be an eternal whatever. It's just the decision. You're sleeping good. You wake up. First thing you do is you read your Bible. That's an eternal decision. You're like, you know what, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna read my Bible. So you, you read your Bible. You, once you wake up, you, maybe you have kids in your home. And so you have a short little devotion with your kids. You're like, my kid's only three or four. It doesn't matter. You're, though God's word never comes back void. So what my wife and I will do sometimes is we, there's this app called the Daily Bread. My Daily Bread? My Daily Bread app. Our Daily Bread app. Thank you. And it'll read to you the devotion. Any of you have a hard time? Maybe you can read to yourself in the morning, but if you were to read it out loud in the morning, you can't function before your kids start school. Anybody have that struggle first thing in the morning? 
See, the thing is, they, they read it to you. So maybe you, you have a devotion with your kids. You pray for your kids before they go to school. You pray for yourself before you go. You pray on your way to work in the car. You listen to worship music. You show up to work on time. You show up to school on time. You're making eternal choices. Those little choices are good choices that are benefiting you in some way that are benefit making eternal choices there. At lunch break, you go and you're having a discussion at lunch and you're avoiding your um, purposeful gossip conversation. You're avoiding those things that you shouldn't. You're maybe leading a Bible study or something like that. You're participating with your coworkers in a conversation at work instead of hiding and isolating. You work hard. You're on time. You're not a workaholic. Your family knows you're going to be home. Your family knows you're a priority. When you get home, you look for opportunities to serve your wife, your kids, your friends, whoever it is, your roommate. You also are looking for opportunities in your life on how can I serve in my church? How can I serve in my community? I don't want to sit and be lazy. I want to serve. I want to look, how can I serve and be of use to you, God? What can I do? How can I serve? So you're looking for those opportunities. You're engaging with your family at home. You are being intentional in conversations with your kids. You join a belong group. You're, um, you pray. You, have pr- you purposefully minimize. I'm not saying get rid of social media. I'm being realist. But you minimize it. You don't spend hours and hours when you get home focusing on it. You minimize it. You look for ways to help around the house. Maybe you read your Bible before you bed and you pray with your family. I'm not saying do all of them, but like that's, uh, that's the, I'm trying to help us understand what investing eternally looks like. Now, here's a temporal investment. You sleep eight hours, you press snooze. Press snooze again, snooze again, snooze again. That's creating a lazy habit. I know you're like, Jeremiah, it's Saturday morning. This, I'm talking about a lifestyle. I'm not talking about a moment. I press snooze plenty of times. But when you're constantly late to work, that's lazy. That's, that's making temporary decisions with an eternal life. You show up the late, or you're first, so once you finally wake up in the morning, you first check social media, you check your email, you check your texts, you check those temporary things. That's what you're doing. You finally, you, you plan out your coffee drink. An eternal life plans out their tithe. I forgot to mention this. Mark said I was going to mention it, so I don't want to ignore. When, when you give to City View, I want to share with you some things that you gave to just the last week, two weeks. You helped feed a bunch of kids at Greenway High School, football team, that all heard about youth group this week. I literally got up and I put invite cards on every single table and I said, you guys should come. You fed all the teachers at Greenway High School. This coming week, you're feeding all the teachers at Park Meadows. You helped with church planning throughout the valley. You helped provide and also give to church planning that churches might be planted, started. That's what planting means. That churches might be started here in our valley. So when you make an eternal investment here, that's what you're doing. But some of us, we plan our Starbucks drink quicker than we do anything with God. We plan our Black Rock drink, our Dutch drink, we order it ahead. So we have those plans, and we're on time for that. And then we tip God. 
It's like, God, well, I want to make sure, but the thing is, that's, that's just temporary. You get to work late. You check social media as soon as you get to wait late. You get into gossip conversations. You, um, you're, you're late to get back after lunch. Your work is mediocre. You work late because you didn't do anything during the day. You, get, you go to happy hour after work, and then when you finally get home, you disengage. You play video games. You watch sports. You get drunk. You're smoking weed because you're like, I need to relax, so that's your way to relax. So you're like, but it's medical. Okay, you just tell that to God. I'm just saying, hey, check your life. Are you investing in the temporal or in the internal things of God? This investment is really hard. Because when you invest here, this this means you're cutting something else out. I'm not always good at this. I this bucket for me is so full. And man, there's going to be a day when God's going to say, Jeremiah, what'd you do? And I'm going to have to say, here's what I invested my temporal things in, God. You're like, no, there's not, that's not. No, there, there. The Bible's pretty clear. There will be a day that our works will be judged. God will wipe away every tear. Like once you get into heaven, like I think that then will be, I don't know if this is like before you get, I don't know at what point this happens. But knowing I was going to preach this today, yesterday I'm watching the Diamondbacks game. I don't know how many of you watched that game, but it was a lot of fun. And my youngest son comes up to me. It's like the third, fourth inning. I don't know what inning. And it's, I mean, baseball's not always the most fun sport to watch, but when you're getting a home run every inning, it's like, come on, what's going to happen right now? My youngest, who's 10, says, Dad, do you want to... No, if you watch the game, it was late. It didn't even start till who knows what time. It was dark outside. He says, Dad, do you want to play volleyball with me? He would have understood if I would have said, Ezra, I, I took you to the driving range this morning. We had fun. Remember when we did that? As and then we took you to go get a drink. And remember, mommy bought you a Starbucks drink. Daddy, daddy grilled for his own birthday tonight. And you had it. Wasn't that steak really good that you made? Yeah, and I could have been. I could that. I could be my. But I did all that with you, right? Dad, daddy's tired. Daddy's forty-five now, and he's tired. That would have been okay, right? But knowing this week and knowing that the decisions I make are investing into something, because if I would have done that, every single thing I said was investing in something that's a waste of time. I said, sure, we can go outside and play volleyball at 8.30 at night. Daddy, are you ready to go inside yet? I'm ready when you are, bud. Okay, let's do five more hits. Okay, let's do five more hits. But you can't end on a bad one. Come on, you got to hit a good one, bud. Okay, Dad, can we do five more hits, and then can we do a volley? Like, will we hit it back and forth? Doing this one, this is not easy. This takes sacrifice. Investing in the eternal takes sacrifice. And Paul, as he's looking, as he's 
preaching, as he's sharing with this church about one day God will look, it's, he's not trying to scare them. He's trying to help them think, is, is, am I making an eternal impact or a temporal impact? Am I investing in, in a legacy or am I investing in the trash can? Because at the end of the day, all this stuff this is trash. I won't dump this because my team member said I'll have to clean it up. But Paul says this in verse 13. He says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, he says, I understand who God is. He's not scared of God. He's not living in terror of God, but it's this awe and respect of God. He says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, I want to persuade men because he has this understanding of the eternal and the temporal, and he realizes that every life God loves. And he says, because of this fear, this respect, this, 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 this honor, this how I feel towards God, he says, I want to persuade all men to know God. He says, but we are made manifest to God, and I hope that we are made manifest also in your conscience. We are not again commending ourselves to you, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us so that you will have an answer for those who take pride in the appearance and not in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are of sound mind, it is for you. He's talking about this life. He's talking about, man, there's these people that are attacking who I am. He says, but I know this. I know the fear of the Lord, and that fear of God drives me to want to persuade men to come to know God. Three things helped Paul stay focused on this life of wanting to pour into the eternal. He had a clear conscience before God. He wasn't trying to focus on the praise of men, making sure everybody liked him. And he ignored the criticisms of men. But this one thing drove Paul. It consumed him. It, con- it, 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 was, it, it consumed his mind. It's found in verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, from, therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet we now know him in this way no longer. Paul saying, I see people with eternity in mind. He says, for the love of Christ controls me. It compels me. It motivates me. For the love of Christ is my driving force. The idea, it's this idea that it's his aim. It's this, this idea that the love of Christ is his guide rails on how to live his life. It's sort of like when a boat is in a canal. It has one direction to go, and that's straight. I remember when I was a kid, or I was in high school, and I went to the Panama Canal, and you saw it, and it's long, and it's narrow, and the boats go one way. There's no turning around. There's no U-turns. It's, it's one way. And when the love of Christ controls, consumes, compels, and motivates you, it's like you have one way to go, and that is for the eternal things of life. And he says, the love of Christ, this love knowing that Jesus cares for me, this love knowing that Jesus died on a cross for me, this love knowing, this love knowing 
something that just forgives me of my life, that he, he sets me free from how I live, that he wants to give me fresh and new way of looking at life. This love of God consul, controls and consumes him. This realizing that Jesus rose from the dead and offers forgiveness, Paul says, this consumes me. And I can't help but want to invest in the eternal. When we realize how much Jesus loves us, that should make our decisions for us. It changes what we want to spend our time doing. It changes what we want to spend our money on. It changes what we want to invest our time, treasure, and talents in. When, we, in the, when the love of Christ is what's consuming and controlling us, Paul says, this is what's giving my guiding force. And then he says in verse 15, which I think all of us need to just pause and look at this verse. He says, and he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again. I watched this interview a while back of an actor named Shia LeBeau. I think that's how you say his name. He was an alcoholic, drug addict, womanizer, porn, you name it. He was off the rails. And at one point in his life, he was about to lose everything. And then he met Jesus. Now, in his interview, he's far from perfect. There's a lot of cussing in the interview. But here's what he says in his interview. He says, my purpose in life was to please myself. My purpose in life, everything that drove me was I wanted to be happy. I just wanted to be happy. But then he read the book of John. He says, but God became my center. And when God was my center, I just wanted to be useful. I wanted to be useful to my wife. I wanted to be available to her, available to my family, available to those around me. He says, when God became my center, it changed what I wanted to invest my time in. Because the love of God consumed him. So I ask you, what consumes, what controls What guides you? It's daily choices that help guide us towards either the love of Jesus or away from it. It's daily choices that we start investing in the eternal or in the temporal. What drove Paul to invest here was the love that Christ gave him. When was the last time you sat and you thought about how much Jesus loves you? Because we don't deserve it. But for Paul, Jesus' love consumed every area. Was Paul perfect? No. Paul, in Romans chapter 7, he talks about this battle of, I I don't want to do what I want to do, and I do do what I don't want to do. And he talks about this constant battle of this temporal and eternal. 
But when we start investing in the things of the Lord, which starts first thing in the morning, it changes your investments throughout the day. When you realize the love of Jesus is so great, so powerful, it gives you an aim and a purpose. Say, I've got to tell my neighbors. I've got to tell my friends. I've got to tell my family. I've got to hang out with my kids. I've got to serve my wife. I've got to get rid of these addictions. I've got to get rid of these things. And it's not going to be done in your power and your strength. It's only, the only reason Paul could do any of those things is because the Holy Spirit, that was a pledge on his life. It's the Holy Spirit in our lives that gives us the power to live the lives that God has called us to. And that Holy Spirit is what helps us with our aim, knowing that Jesus, your love, consumes me. So I don't know what bucket you're investing your life in. But I want to encourage you, invest in the eternal because it lasts longer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I know so many times in my own personal life I can invest in the wrong things. Lord, that I spend time in investing in the temporal, that I spend time in investing in, in the things that are wasting time. Lord, I can waste time so much in my life. God, you don't want us to live under condemnation. Your word says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But Lord, I pray the reason we want to live, the reason we want to pour into the eternal is because your love drives, consumes. Lord, it controls us. It gives us our aim and our guide. God, a love that we don't deserve a love that is so full of grace and mercy and truth. Lord, a love that is not looking for ways of, of condemning our temporal bucket, but a, a love that's looking for ways of, 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 of thanking us and saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, I pray that we would not walk out of here thinking that you are a mad, angry God. But you are so gracious. Lord, you take even the original grumpy attitude I had last night of playing volleyball. And you still say, well done. Lord, I don't know what consumes us. I don't know what controls us. But Lord, I pray that today your love would overwhelm us. And that maybe this morning, as we sing this last song about your death and resurrection, may it remind us that you conquered death because of your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. 
Don't forget to click the follow button and tune in next week for another great message.